You're listening to the Sunday podcast from LifePoint Church in Santan Valley, Arizona. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. For more information, visit us online at lifepointaz.com. Good morning, Life Point Church, and welcome to our live stream this Sunday morning. Uh, I am Pastor Chad Roach. I'm one of the associate pastors here at Life Point, and I'm coming to you this morning uh, in an empty auditorium in our in our church building. Man, it's 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 surreal. It's kind of interesting to preach to a to an empty room and do a camera. Uh, it takes a little bit of getting used to. I'm not going to lie to you. But this morning we're going to be in in Galatians. Uh, get your Bibles. Flip to the New Testament. Get past uh, Acts and Romans, you get to Corinthians and then Galatians. And in, in Galatians, we're going to talk a little bit about the history and the background that's going on here uh, with the church in Galatia and how Paul found his way in this, to this area. And we'll expand and explore some of that. I'm probably going to read through all of Galatians 3, but we're going to mainly focus on the first nine verses. Um, we'll see where this goes, uh, and I'm going to pray for the God's Spirit to guide in this because I want this to be a message uh, to you uh, v- via me as an instrument, as a tool um, from God. So if you would join me uh, in praying right now as we go into this message. Heavenly Father, it's just me and you in this room. God, come, send your spirit. Fill me with your spirit, God, that these words are your words, not mine. God, that you send your spirit to every person watching this video stream right now. Father, there are people hurting. There are people in need. And there are people who have plenty. God, pair them together. In our world right now is in such a unique position, God. We have nothing to lean on and nothing to trust but you. God, send your spirit to each and every person right now, Father. That they feel your warmth, they feel your love. God, just anybody out there right now, Father, watching this video who doesn't have a relationship with you, may they be especially convicted and moved through this this time studying your word, understanding and learning a little bit more about your word. May they be convicted and moved to know you more. God, this is a new time for us and and being online constantly and not interacting. Father, cleanse our world. God, we pray for our leaders all over the world in our country and other countries, God, that they they are under a burden right now. May your light shine. God, give our leaders direction, strength, wisdom to know what to do in in this precarious time. God, we thank you. And we love you and we do all of this by, through, and for the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So what if you were given a gift? Right, so you get this gift. I'm sure some of you see this thing sitting up here the whole time. You're like, okay, it's not Christmas. So what is this decoration sitting on the table? So we get gifts in our lives, right? There's, there's, whether it's birthdays or, or Christmas or just because, right? We get gifts all the time. It, it could be an anniversary or whatever reason, but we get gifts. 
And a gift is something of value, uh, uh, whether it's sentimental or, or, or material value. There's, there's, a, there's a value in a gift that one person gives to another person, right? Is, is saying, hey, I, I want to bless you. I, I, want, I want you to, to have some joy in this. I, I found this really cool thing that I think would speak to your heart. Um, there's thought that goes into a gift, there's action that goes into a gift. There's, there's a whole lot of things that go with this preparation. And now I obviously did not make this. This is, this is just a box. But, you know, some people go into the, the, the time of folding bows and finding the perfect uh, uh, ribbon to match the, the paper. There's a tremendous amount of preparation. And what if somebody sat down a gift And before you tore into it or opened it up, they, they, they just talked to you and said, man, I love you. I, I'm so happy uh, to celebrate whatever this is with you. I, I got you this gift that I really, man, I can't wait for you to open it. It's so awesome. Wait till you see it. And then you dig in, you tear open the box, you tear open the gift and you get into it. And what you find inside is something you've been, you've been wanting. It's, it's this thing that, that you, man, how, could you, how did you know I wanted this? And you look. And that gift comes with an invoice. What if that gift giver said to you, hey, you know what? I, I really wanted this for you. I, I wanted this best thing for you. Um, it's specific for you, prepared for you. I, I couldn't afford it. Um, there's some things that have to be done first. And, and so I'm going to go ahead and give you the invoice. And, and I have this gift for you. And, and I, know, I know these are my words. And I know this is what I've said. I know I've said that I have this gift for you. It's great. It's amazing. It's the miraculous. Um, but you're going to have to go ahead and pay for it. I mean, come on. What, what kind of gift is that? Right? I mean, can you imagine getting a gift that, that, that somebody else is giving you, but they didn't pay for it themselves, right? Now, here you go. Here's your gift, and, and, but you got to pay for it. That's no gift. Right? Now, sometimes we gift ourselves with things. We'll go out and buy things that are, you know, for us, and they're, uh, you know, for uh, uh, something we want, so it's a gift to us, but... See, in, in, in Galatia, Paul has, has heard some things that are going on with the church that he planted in Galatia and the few of the churches he planted in Galatia. And what he's looking at is, is the math doesn't add up. See, when the math doesn't add up, you get everything for nothing. You get all the gifts, all the blessings, all the wonders in the world— for nothing. Because it's Jesus plus nothing. The math that doesn't add up, two plus two is not four. And see, the people in Galatia, 
Paul came to them and preached the gospel to them. And you can go to Acts chapters 13 and 14 to take a look at how this unfolds. But he preaches to them. He brings them the message of, of hope and, and, and the gospel of Jesus, the good news that, that there is this gift that Jesus has for you that's free of charge. There's nothing you have to do for it. Here it is. And then all of a sudden along comes some other people who also call themselves Christians and say, yeah, but. It's a free gift, but. So let's dig in this morning. Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. <laughs> Every time I read these opening, this opening line, these three words, uh, it's just, it's, 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 it, it, it hits. I don't know. It's like sometimes I feel like God is literally saying these things to us. You foolish Christians. I mean, it says Galatians, but you foolish Christians. Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law? Or by believing what you heard. Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain? If it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. You foolish Christians. See, they know the works of Jesus. They've heard the gospel. They've seen miracles. They, they've gone through this amazing transformation and all these things that, that come along with being new believers and just, just these, 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 these hungry people. They've seen it. They've seen division. They've suffered. They've, they've been persecuted. And now along come these other people. And they're called Judaizers. And the Judaizers are Christians who try to hold on to the Jewish ways. And not the ceremonial ways or the things that um, aren't harmful by any means. But what they try to do is they're trying to come along with a different gospel. And they're trying to change the gospel of Jesus at this point. And Paul, it's interesting, you can Google it, but it's very interesting that, that um, there, there was a, a thing done a long time ago that says, what if, what if Paul's letter to the Galatians was published today in Christianity Today, an online blog or magazine, right? What if Paul's letter to the Galatians was a little more contemporary? Some of the comments and the feedback to that would be, well, that he doesn't sound very Christian, I mean, he's attacking his fellow brothers. Just before this, he's attacking Peter, right? It's, 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 well, that's not very Christian of him. 
We're just supposed to be unified. We're supposed to be unified in this, in this belief. We shouldn't focus on all these other things, these, these other things. We should just focus on the central message and be unified around that. And everything else is, eh. Paul doesn't sound very Christian. Calling people out as fools. So elementary, in an elementary way, trying to remind them of, of what they saw and heard and professed. Sometimes we find ourselves working so hard toward a goal. And, and, that's, and that's what we have here. See, these Galatians have, have, have switched and they've moved Back to this idea that somehow their salvation comes by the works of the law. And the law is referring to the Old Testament law, right? Like the Ten Commandments uh, and, and the other laws that were added on after that by the Pharisees. So these Judaizers come along and they say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, we know that this message that, that Paul preached to you, we, we know what he's saying. We know it's, it's Jesus. We, we know uh, it's a belief in Jesus Christ, and that's all it is. But at the same time, you know, uh, well, it just doesn't make any sense that they would be that easy, right? I mean, this is, we're talking about God. He, he gave us the law. We, we have the law, so we should have to follow it, right? And I mean, what kind of God would, 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 would love us and forgive us and 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 how can we be in communion with a god you know he he would he would spit us out if we don't follow his law in our world today a lot of christians are like that we get hung up we get we get look at things that that is something outside of, of the central message of Jesus. And it, it can be something, a drop of the water, and we just start moving away from it bit by bit. And that's where the Galatians are at this point. And he's, you, you're fools. Who's bewitched you? Who's getting in your head? Who is filling your mind with nonsense? Who's been telling you these things? Who's, who's giving you this checklist that you have to live by? Who's giving you this checklist that you have to follow in order to be pleasing to God? Who's, who's telling you that? They're wrong. They're dead wrong. Verse 7. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse as it is written in Deuteronomy. Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. What? In multiple places, it says if you, if you commit just one law, violation of one law, you commit just one sin, you are guilty of all of it. That means if you tell one little white lie, you're guilty of murder. What? I mean, this, this is illogical. 
This doesn't make any sense. I, 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 I'm cursed if I, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse as it is written. Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Paul is saying to the Galatians, look, you guys have gotten off track. I don't know who's teaching you guys this stuff. This is kind of weird. There's no checklist to heaven. It doesn't matter if you wear a shirt and tie. In this case, it doesn't matter if you're circumcised or uncircumcised, whether you're a Jew culturally or uh, religiously or it doesn't, or a Gentile or a Greek. It doesn't matter. See, God's plan all along was this multicultural salvation uh, or multicultural uh, organization of, of, of humanity brought back in communion with him. Salvation comes by the way of Israel, but it's not just for Israel. And these people have come along. And in our world, this happens. In the, in the world of the internet, we, ha we have to be, man, we have to be so discerning and, and, it's, and it's just wise as serpents, right? In discerning the teachings that people put out there, is it biblical? Now, don't get me wrong. There are things out there that are extra, right? There are things that as we move away from the central message of the gospel that is salvation by through Jesus, faith and grace alone is the central message. And as we move away from that, Yes, there are some things that we get to the, the outside, we get the, the, the peripheral discussions, right? Where we say, okay, we don't really know what's going on here. That's a lot of speculation. It could be this, it could be this, it could be this, right? It doesn't mean the, the Bible isn't trustworthy. It doesn't mean those words aren't true. It's just sometimes very hard to figure out what is really being said. But there are things that are central. But what Paul is reminding the Galatians is something that we need to be reminded of today, that in the internet world, we've got to be careful of who is teaching what. Because I promise you, if you go looking for a church that's going to preach to you a message that delights you and tickles your ears, as the Bible says, that just says, hey, don't worry about this sin thing. Just keep doing what makes you happy. I mean, after all, God is a God of love. And somewhere along the line, church, we've gotten this mentality that love and happiness mean the same thing. That we've gotten this, this along this line and this mindset, we've been bewitched, us, us foolish Christians, who has bewitched us that we would think that happiness is the most important thing in life. And what happens is, what happens is we, we get this mindset that we start adding up the things in our head and the math, it just doesn't add up. It can't possibly be Jesus and nothing else. Why? That doesn't make any sense. I mean, if I wrong you and you owe me, you got to pay me back. But that's, that's not what they were taught. Verse 11, clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. 
The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Now I want to pause here. Throughout the New Testament and the Old, we see a term faith. And there's different kinds of faith. And not every time the Bible mentions the word faith, is it a saving faith? Is it that, that faith that brings us back into communion with God? It's the faith from God to, that we're called to God. It's not always a saving faith. I mean, the example is, if I lean over on this table, I have faith that it's going to hold me up, Right? That faith is based on the logic that I can see the table legs. You can, I'm barefoot. Um, you can see the table legs. You can see uh, what's going to go on. I can see that it's made of wood. I have a little bit of faith in, in my experience and my knowledge and, and my things that I know that I've gone through that to say to myself, well, this table, it's metal, it's wood. It's going to hold me up. So there's that kind of a faith. And in some ways, Paul is actually getting to that kind of faith with the Galatians. He's trying to remind them through their experiences, through their suffering and the curses that they've gone through and the things that they've endured and they've seen. He's trying to say, who has bewitched you? What's got into your head? Don't you remember? You've, you've seen, you have the faith to lean on this and know that it's not by works of the law that you're saved. You know that. Verse 15, brothers and sisters, let me make an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and his seed, to his seed. Scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. What I mean is this. The law, introduced 430 years later, does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. Verse 17 is so important. Paul clarifies things very, look, what I mean, this is what I mean. This is what I'm saying. He does it very, very simply. He does it very, very pointed. The law doesn't set aside the covenant established by God. What does that mean? It's called the Abrahamic covenant. He's referring to the promise that God made to Abraham that should you have faith that, that all of mankind, all these nations are going to be blessed through your seed, Abraham. I promise. See, if we look through the Old Testament, the Old Testament is a bunch of examples of God making promises with the Jewish Israelite people. And saying, if you just do these things, I promise these things. And each and every time, God kept his promise, but the Israelites broke their promise. Sorry, this thing is really, it keeps popping off my ears and my head. 
<laughs> I apologize. Uh, I wish we could edit this out, but we can't. So I've got to move this little thing here to my back pocket and see if it works better. <laughs> Sorry. God made a promise to Abraham. God made multiple promises to the Israelites that throughout the Old Testament and the Israelites were reminded and, and pro that of these promises that God made. I promise if you do this, I'll bring you here. If you do this, I'll take care of you. Just trust me. Don't store up the manna. I'll take care of you. Trust me. All these promises, each and every time God has made a promise with us human beings, he has kept this promise from the garden to today. He never changes and he keeps his word. We are the ones who break the covenants. And so we're under a new covenant, right? The new covenant is the gospel. It is Jesus. The new covenant is not salvation by works. It is not righteousness by works. In fact, if you go back throughout the Old Testament, it's clear that it never has been because we can't keep it. Humans can't do it. If we are guilty of one sin, we have violated the entire law. We can't do it. But God doesn't want to leave us like that. He doesn't want to leave us there, right? Verse 18, for if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. Why then was the law given at all? It was added because of the transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies more than one party, but God is one. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that would, could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin so that what was promised being given through the faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Paul, wow. For if law, Paul says, if there was life in the law, if it was there, then we wouldn't need Jesus. If righteousness could be obtained through the law, if we could work our way to heaven, if we could just be good enough to please God, then Christ died for nothing. There's no reason for him to have died. If there is salvation to be found in the law, in work, in being a good person, man, heaven is not full of good people. I know that might come as a shock to some of you who are trying really hard to be a good person, and you should. I'm not saying you shouldn't. But heaven isn't full of good people. Heaven is full of repentant believers who have faith and have called in the name of Jesus. Verse 23. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law. 
locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. At no time does Paul say that there's no value in following the law. He's saying there's no salvation. There's no righteousness in that law. You see, God loved us. And I'm trying not to quote John 3.16, but it's all that for God so loved us that he gave Jesus because he knew from the moment he created the law and handed it to Moses, from that point forward, he knew mankind. The minute he created Adam, he knew mankind would not follow it. He knew that we would break the covenants. He knew we couldn't do it. But he loved us so much that he gave us the freedom to choose him or not him. But because by human standards, and man, this is what we do all the time. We try to put God in a human box. Right? We try so often to just put God in a human box, but we try, but it's not how it works. By our standards, it doesn't make any sense. People have a lot of hard time in their minds really saying, okay, there is a God. I get it. I believe it. Oh, there's enough things in, in the world to see that there probably is something bigger than us. But you know what? I want to do what I want to do, and, and I don't want to follow any rules. And the way I see it is this is a God of, of rules. There's a ton of the Ten Commandments, all these different things throughout the Old Testament, uh, people being smited or smote or however you say it. Um, but all these different things that have happened that if you make God angry, he's, he's angry, he's jealous, he's all of these things. And man, I, I can't follow a God like that. So people get it twisted. Christians and non-Christians alike get it a little bit twisted up and say, well, and Paul addresses this in more than one place. Well, okay, if there is no law, so if there's no God, then, then there can't be a law because there's no lawgiver, so there can't be a law. And if that's the case, then I'm free to do whatever the heck I want to do, and I'm going to do that. I mean, Paul specifically says that, hey, if there's no law, eat, drink, and be merry, right? But if there is a God, and if there is a God who is good, and a God who is just, and a God who put out rules and said, hey, this is the way you should live life, if by some chance you can follow all these rules, then congratulations, you don't need Jesus. Then God says, but I know you. You can't follow it. And then there's some Christians who say, well, I know there is a God. I believe in God. Uh, I've given my life to Christ. But, you know, <laughs> I kind of like my sin. I mean, it's who I am. My identity comes from this. I make a living as a gambler. I, I, I'm a party animal and I go out with my friends. I drink and I, and I party and I have all of these fun, right? No, there's nothing wrong with drinking. Just don't get drink to excess. But 
What I'm getting at is we take our identity from these things and we don't want our sin to be taken away because we think that if we give up our sin that we're giving up something fun and cool and interesting and amazing and fulfilling. The law exists. We have to follow the law. But there is no righteousness in the law. Because if we are guilty of just one thing, one sin, excuse me, then we are guilty of all of it. I was watching a show this week. And it was about a guy who was a firefighter and he got in trouble and he had a St. Christopher medal who, I guess, is the patron saint of travelers. And he had all this faith in this, in this medal, in this thing. And what it amounted to was a good luck charm. It was a good luck charm given under the umbrella of something to do with religion or God remotely somehow, right? That, that, that if you wear this thing around your neck, then you'll be good to go. And uh, don't worry, that saint will look out for you. People don't understand. And man, getting understanding the point that, 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 that Paul is making to the Galatians that grace is enough. If God is sovereign, if God is God, and if Jesus was God, and if the words that he said were true, then this grace is sitting here as a free gift for me. There's no invoice attached to it. There's nothing I can do to buy it. There's nothing I can do to be good enough for it. It doesn't make any sense. Why is it these evangelical Christians are the only ones saying this? Every other religion in the world makes complete sense. You've got to do something, right? You can't just, I can't be expected to go through my whole life and I can't, you can't tell me that somebody as evil as Jeffrey Dahmer or Adolf Hitler could have received Christ at their deathbed and said, you know what, I'm sorry, I forgive me, I repent, I believe, and that person is in heaven. What kind of God is that? That's my God. That is the God who is so forgiving and merciful. This amazing grace that exists. And the beauty in the gospel that Paul is trying to remind the Galatians of is that if you call on the name of Jesus and you have faith, this is Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess and acknowledge Yes, God, I believe you exist. If you exist, then there is a law. If I violate your law, I have sinned. Therefore, I am a sinner. Forgive me. I'm sorry. I believe Jesus died, was buried for three days, and rose again from the grave. I don't know how. It doesn't make any sense to me, but I believe it. And then you die. If you say those words and then you die, you are in heaven, regardless of everything or anything you did in your life. 
And a lot of people, that doesn't make sense to them. And in this situation, we have people all over the world that are like the Judaizers who come along and try to twist things around or they give you most of a message and then there's just a little bit that's different. There's churches that say, well, yeah, we're going to follow all these things, but we're not going to tell anybody that's sinful that, that they're sinful and they've got to get their sin situation figured out first. But think of it like this. We've been set apart. If you call on his name and you believe in your heart, you've been set apart by God. And to be set apart means to be prepared to be made holy. So think of it this way. Think of a wedding. Right? And everything the bride and the groom do up to the point of the wedding, they, they go out and look for tuxedos and, and dresses. Right? We got shows upon shows on TV about you know, picking the right wedding dress. I mean, some of these things cost $100,000. In the process up to the wedding, you're picking the caterer, you're picking uh, um, the dress that is just the perfect flowing dress that's the right price, that it's not too expensive, it's not too cheap in some situations. Um, you've got the rings, right? You gotta have the perfect right rings. Do I get this diamond, that diamond? Is it gold? Is it platinum? The tuxedo has to be perfectly fit or tailored or it's a suit. I don't want it, you know, all these things that go up to being married. And along the way, you're being prepared. You're getting ready for the big day. You're getting ready for that big moment, standing in front of the officiant, whoever, pastor, whoever it is. You're standing in front of them, and, and you're ready. The bride comes down. You have everything perfect and ready. And you stand up, and instead of looking perfect, you've got dirt on you. That perfect tuxedo is ripped. That perfect dress is now a little bit too snug or a little bit too loose. And you're thinking, I'm not good enough for this. I'm not good enough to be up here right now. I can't be standing next to this person. And why would this person want to marry me now? I, I know, look at me, I'm dirty. My suit's ripped. My dress is too big. My dress is too small. It's torn. It's got dirt on it. Coffee stains. And along comes the wealthiest person on the planet. He says, no, oh, I got you. Don't worry about it. I've got this tuxedo for you that is made of the finest materials known to mankind. To the bride, I've got this perfect dress. It's, it's unbelievably made. It'll fit you perfect in every way possible. The materials used are gold. They're silver. They're priceless diamonds. The tuxedo and the dress that I have for you are unbelievable. They're, they're priceless. You can't even imagine a price tag on them. They're yours. All I ask is that you trust me and that you follow me. That, that doesn't make sense.
It doesn't make sense that people would come along and just try to be that nice or helpful. And so what we do as humans, and this is evident throughout the entire history of humanity when it comes to Christianity, that we start adding on to it. These different things that make sense to humans, that make sense to us, but aren't in here anywhere. It is not salvation through grace, by faith, after everything you do. It is not come before the judgment throne of God, the creator of all things, with your book of deeds, and we'll see if your book of good deeds outweighs your book of bad deeds, and then you can get in. No, no, no. The gospel message Verse 26, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. There is nothing we can do to earn salvation. There is nothing we can do to be good enough. There is nothing we can do to measure up. But if you're watching this video right now as I close, what I want you to know is the good news of the gospel that Paul is trying to remind them of is that through Jesus Christ, there is a free gift with no strings attached. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus himself is saying in John's gospel that if you believe in me and you call on my name, if you repent of your sin, if you acknowledge that you have sin in your life and you repent and now try to change as you move forward, I have set you apart. I am making you holy. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you will be righteous before God. Every one of us is going to be judged for the things that we do in this world. Every one of us is going to have to stand before God and account for the things that we did in this world. But some of us have been set apart by our belief in Jesus. And it doesn't add up that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. God bless you. Every one of you, call in the name of you have accepted Jesus recently. If you're sitting there right now and you are just beside yourself, take this opportunity, get on your knees and just pray with me. Father God, I know you're there. I know you're real. I've seen you. I've experienced you. I know. Father God, if you're there, and I believe you are there, 
then your law is there as well. And I have broken your law. I have sinned against you. Father, I want to be back in your good graces. I believe in your son, Jesus Christ, that he was born, he died, and rose again. I believe it, God. I don't understand it. I don't know how, but I believe. Forgive me of my sins, each and every one of them. God, set me apart from the rest of the people in this world and call me one of yours. I want that for my life. In the name of Jesus the Christ, amen. Thank you and God bless.